Hi, this is Johnny Whitaker, or John O. Whitaker Jr., remembered from Family Affairs, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. And you are listening to Then Is Now Podcast. Warning, warning. Today's episode contains spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie or TV show that we are talking about, we highly recommend that you watch it first, then listen to this episode. Thank you. Rise and shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good. It's scary. Welcome to 13 Days of Halloween. <laughs> Welcome to Then Is Now Podcast's 2023 13 Days of Hallotober event. I am your host, Rigor, and joining me once again today is Michael. How's it going, Michael? Hey, good. Just killing and, and being me. Excellent, excellent. It's a good way to be. So this is kind of unusual for us as we kind of talked about off mic, uh, off microphone, because you're in Hawaii and I'm in Maine, so there's a six-hour time difference. So for you, it's like 6 p.m., right? Yep. And for yep. me, it's midnight. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty big. It's all right. It's all right. It's getting me prepared for next weekend when we go to the drive-in Monsterama in Pennsylvania and we watch movies till four in the morning. So. Yeah. That's so much How fun. How are you going to stay awake? Wow. Oh, I do. It's anyway. Surprisingly, I do it. You know, it's like yeah. I, I literally last time on the Saturday on the last movie, I had to stand up against the car and watch the yeah. film because yeah. if I sat down, I would have fallen right to sleep. Yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> Standing up helps. So, all right, folks, the film we are covering today is Wes Craven's Cursed from 2005, starring Joshua Jackson, Christina Ricci, and Jesse Eisenberg. Los Angeles, siblings Ellie and Jimmy get into an accident on Mulholland Drive when something slams into their car, pushing them into another one and knocking it into a ditch where the driver's trapped upside down in it. As they try to help the woman caught in the wreckage, a ferocious creature attacks them, devouring the woman and scratching the terrified siblings. 
they slowly discover that the creature was a werewolf and that they've fallen victim to its deadly curse. And they'll be transformed into werewolves themselves. They eventually learn that they must kill the werewolf that scratched them in order to avoid becoming full-on werewolves themselves. So, Michael, uh, first impressions. When did you actually first see this, and what was your first impression? Mm, I think I saw this in the theater when it came out. Um, Chris Baskin, our mutual friend Chris Baskin, uh, was... Wait, what year did this come out? 2001? Uh, five. Oh, five. Huh. I, I don't know if I saw it with him or not, but he made some comment about werewolf movies when we were in high school together that he had yet to see like a one that was really, really well done. And I, I wasn't sure what his criteria were, but I was like, yeah. And I, uh, every time a werewolf movie crossed my awareness, I would run out and see it uh, just to just to evaluate it, whatever. But so I'm pretty sure I saw it when it came out in the, in the theater. And I'm pretty sure I either went with him or I went by myself. Um, and I really liked it the first time I saw it. I, uh, yeah, there were one or two little tiny moments that I thought were too comedic, but overall I, I really liked it a lot. Um, watching it this week, uh, is probably the third or fourth time I've seen it. And, um, I feel like I noticed some stuff that I, I hadn't noticed before, but, um, yeah, first first impression was not that it was an I like the perfect werewolf movie, but but I really liked it. Nice, very much so. Excellent, excellent. You know, it's funny. You often mention that I sat you down to watch a particular film, but this time around, it was you who sat me down to watch this movie when it first came out on DVD, which mm. I still own. Um, I had a vague recollection of it. I hadn't watched it since then, and I remember walking away thinking that it was so so, and I I wasn't very impressed. But surprisingly, this turn, this time around, I really enjoyed it. I liked the pacing. I mean, there was definite influence from other werewolf films. Mm. Um, but I remember that first time we watched it thinking there was something off about it. And I just mm. figured it was something disjointed. And I figured, well, maybe it was me. But now that I've researched it, I understand what was wrong with this movie. And we'll get into that later. Um, mm. It's very surprising about the production of this film. But okay. overall, you know, it, it's a fun pot boiler monster movie. You know, I... In fact, while I was watching it, I had the windows open. There was a breeze coming in, and it made me think this would be a fun one to see at the drive-in. And, mm. you know, there are movies that aren't that great that the drive-in makes really good. Mm. <laughs> right. So, mm. And, of course, this film's directed by the legendary um, horror director Wes Craven, who's famous for Nightmare on Elm Street, The Hills Have Eyes, Scream, and dozens of others. Mm-hmm. Um, Countless others. Countless others. And uh, Kevin Williamson wrote this, who wrote the screen yeah. movies, and I Know What You Did Last Summer, and The Faculty. Yeah. He used to be huge. Yeah. He was the screenwriter for a while. Yeah. I remember Since we that. heard he wrote it. Oh, he wrote it. I'm going. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's Kevin Williamson. It must be good. And then um, there was sort of a dip <laughs> in quality in his movies, you know? Yeah. I actually feel like the cursed... Like watching it last night, there were moments where I, I don't know if the editor just picked the wrong take or uh, repeatedly <laughs> or if the di if, if the dialogue was was like messed around with by somebody else. But there were there were bits in the scenes where I was like, would somebody in that situation really say that? Like, I don't know, just like stupid little stuff. Like there was a point at one there was one point where um, Ellie and Jimmy were in some place and the werewolf like popped up and started coming after them, not in the woods, but later on. And, and she turns to Jimmy and she goes, run. I'm like, <laughs> do you need to be told that in that situation? Right. Like, <laughs> like this thing's trying to bite your head off. I don't need you to tell me to run. Yeah. Well, you know, that's um, what I mean about it being disjointed. And I was going to get into the cast, but let's get into that. So okay. apparently the production was a super fucking nightmare. Um, Christina Ricci said the shooting was a disaster. It was hard to keep up with. She goes, there's a quote from her. She goes, we shot it three times. I couldn't keep it straight. By the time we went to shoot the last version, I was so confused. I actually had to ask, so what are, what are we doing? The version where the person's my brother or my boyfriend? Oh. And yeah, and Jesse Eisenberg described the final film as so stupid and that the reshoots just made everything more cliched. Um, yes. And I I didn't watch it with the commentary, but I did read this that um, and I I'm sure it's true because it, it, you could probably go and check it out, but um the 
the practical effects team who provided the audio commentary on the DVD were pretty much laughing and ridiculing the work by the CGI team. Um, so, th- so they shot this movie three times. I guess Wes Craven was pulled in to direct it. It was written by... Uh, hold on, I'm kind of jumping around here. Um, a, a lot of the blame of this is on Harvey Weinstein. Oh. And uh, the victim... Uh, the victim. The film was supposed to be about a serial killer in New York. And Wes Craven was like, well, it's kind of like Vampire in Brooklyn. So I really don't want to go back there again. And so they offered him like tons more money and he ended up doing it but they were all kinds of scenes i guess when they shot it um that are cut out because we're well, not cut out they weren't used because skeet ulrich was supposed to be a central character in it uh heather langenkamp uh scott foley oh, no way. yeah omar epps robert forster Corey feldman and james Brown. oh my god yeah holy shit yeah so, the, yeah, they ended up... Did they actually shoot scenes with those people and yes. then not use them? They shot oh the my entire God. film three times. <laughs> that is just tragic. I want to see all three versions now. I know. I know. The first version of the film featured almost the enti- an entirely different supporting cast, and then the second version was hacked up in order to get a PG-13 rating. Uh. Um, and then the climax battle with Jake attacking Jimmy and Ellie in their home, they, that was ordered at the last minute. Despite making no sense, the reasons what the reason was that the Weinstein's wanted the climax to be like Scream, where the boyfriend turns out to be the villain. Oh fuck off! Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I, 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 this time around, I was like, okay, either they just weren't paying attention, or Jimmy didn't do that much research because they after the the woman, the blonde woman's werewolf died, they were like, oh, I guess it's all over. But like a couple scenes before that, Joshua Jackson's character said while he was like stalking them in this this mirror maze like i was born like this you know and it's like everybody else has been bitten to become a werewolf he's the only one who said he was born that way like how did you miss that right (laughs) and they're like whoops what's going on why isn't it over yet or well he basically told you that he was the you know the the sire or whatever it's funny because wes craven didn't have anything good to say about it and considered it one of his worst films and he says (laughs) I mean, that went on for two and a half years of my life for a film that wasn't anything close to what it should have been. Oh, it's a crime. So it's too, yeah, it's too bad, you know. Um, the practical effects were done by Rick Baker, who worked on mm. Star Wars and Empire and The Howling and American Werewolf. He even designed the werewolf for the werewolf TV show with John oh, wow. J. York. Oh, which, by the way, quick tangent, John J. York, who also plays Max Scorpio on General Hospital, he just, uh-huh. um, I just wrote an article about him today. He's got like... I don't know, multiple myeloma. He's got some kind of weird blood disease that's sort of a precursor to leukemia. Oh and my God. he's trying to get like stem cell and and bone marrow transplants and stuff. And he, he just put a video out. He looked great. He sounded great. He was very cheerful, but it was really kind of sad. It was like, oh my God. Wow. He's not gonna, you know, drop dead soon. But Jeez, that sucks. Um, anyway, so the effects were, I thought were really good, but did you notice, were you able to tell when it went from practical effect to CGI? Once or twice. Yeah. I, I saw, I could see that like the seam, <laughs> the, 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 you know, the seam in the, in the clothing, the, the stitch. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. There were a couple of points where I was like, ah, right there, you know? Right. Like when the werewolf uh, was doing the parking garage and the werewolf was jumping from car to car. Yeah. And a few other scenes. Well, I guess what happened was Rick ba- Baker got fired halfway through making it and they replaced him with CGI. That's why uh, the practical guys were making fun of them on the uh, on the DVD con- uh, commentary. Huh? Well, I, Jesus Christ, what are you doing firing Rick Baker? You dumbass. No kidding. <laughs> but like I, I, it, I, it really was cliche. Like uh, Jesse Eisenberg, you said, said that they brought back a lot of the cliches. There were so many moments where I was like. Oh, well, they could have done something interesting with that, but they just didn't, you know? Right. Um, And uh, what was I going to say? People's reactions to things just were not consistent with how you would really react, I don't think. Yeah. Um, Like the girl in the parking garage, she sees this puddle and she sees the humanish footprints and then they become giant, you know, wolf prints and she just kind of half smiles to herself like, huh, what are you going to do? You know, that's odd. It's like, what the fuck? Like, wouldn't you? I don't know. And I don't recall if I noticed that the first time around, but this time around, I noticed that that scene, they actually did that in, 
I can't remember which one. It might have been The Wolfman, or it's one of the ones where Lon Chaney played The Wolfman, and they show footprints in the dirt, human footprints, and then as the, the camera's tracking along, they start to become wolf footprints. Mm. Um, there were, uh, yeah, and there was a lot of cliches and a lot of callbacks, too. There was, um, uh, what was it? There was a few other ones that I have. Well, they had the in, in the Tinsel Club. They had the replica of the um, the cane with the silver dog head on it, which is from the original werewolf, right? Yep, the yep. first one. Yeah. They had the whole set from Frankenstein. They had Dracula's coffin. Um, they had now, a Freddy Krueger statue too. Oh, I didn't even see that. Really? Yeah, and oh, it was fuck. A, it was a Lon Chaney Wolfman statue too. I, I saw that one. Yeah. But I didn't see Freddy. Holy crap! I must have just been zoning it's out right at the beginning, and then you in in. I don't know. Somewhere in the middle of the movie, you see the sweater in the background, but you don't see the actual uh, statue. Uh, um, what were you going to say? Two comments I have about the the CGI werewolf. Well, one is about anyway. Um, there were a couple of shots where it looked like a mouse. Like the the ears were either too high, too uh, I don't know. They're in. A, it seemed like they were in the wrong position on the head, and they had like this 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 rounded shape to them. Um, it was one part where somebody was changing into the werewolf and, and it, it, before the big teeth popped out, it just, it almost looked like a mouse. I was like, what the hell are they doing? It should be pointed, you know, big pointy ears, like in the howling. That's funny. I didn't notice that. And, uh, another thing I didn't like is, you know, again, I'm, I've seen it a few times, so I get, I get extra picky in a couple of the fights. It seemed like the, they were badly edited together because, because it seemed like the characters were, you know, there were only one or two silver items in the movie and they just kept going for the same thing again, you know, and right. it, it just got, instead of being creative and trying to think of another way to use a certain weapon or something, it, they were just like, whoops, you know, I don't, it's, so I don't know. Like, yeah. um, <laughs> but anyway, it, the one thing I was going to say was the, the, when, when, when the werewolf was attacking Christina Ricci in the, in the club or whatever, and she swung the, the, uh, the walking stick with the, with the silver head on it and the werewolf bit through the wood part. And then Christina Ricci picked up the head and jammed it into the werewolf's mouth, which is burning inside of the mouth. Right. Because it's silver. Yeah. And so the werewolf backs up and like, is like in all kinds of pain and like pulls it out of its mouth and then stands there with it in its hand, like being relieved that it just got the thing out of its mouth. And I'm like, it's still burning your hand. Right. I was thinking the same thing. It's not over yet. You're still in pain. (laughs) Yeah. Um, one cool uh, thing that I did notice this time around at the very, I'm sorry, not, well, not quite at the very beginning, but early on in the film, when Ellie goes to visit Jake at the museum, there's sort of a, um, a cutaway shot of Los Angeles and mm-hmm. the city lights are in the shape of a pentagram. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah. I was like, I oh just, was like, oh, wow. All right. That's kind of cool. I like that. There were a lot of cool touches in this, but um, mm. like I liked the, the elevator scene. Um, when the werewolf was attacking yes. the chicken in the elevator, that was well done. I thought. Yeah, that was cool. You know, and the. the and, uh, go ahead. I was gonna say there did seem to be a little bit of inconsistency about exactly which types of barriers the werewolf could smash through really easily, and which it had to pound on for a while before it could get through. Right, right. <laughs> there are times I was like, "Wait, shouldn't he already be through that door?" <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know, that's something that I, I think a lot of filmmakers don't consider, and you and I are sort of used to it because we've played role-playing games in the past. It's like, if you sit down to make a movie, you have to define the parameters of the mm-hmm. character or the monster. You know, okay, wh- how much can he lift? You know, mm-hmm. that based on that, then what can he bust through and what can't he bust through, you know? Mm. And I don't think they ever consider that, or for the most part. You know, and that always is some, it's a really tiny thing, but it always bothered me a little bit about Robocop in the first one where he pounds on the door of the, of the, uh, the, the drug warehouse yeah. before he comes in. And it's just like, but you know, it's, it's dramatic because it's a boom, 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 and it's cool and everything. But I was just like, wouldn't he just like punch his fist through the middle, right. <laughs> and like break the middle thing off and then shoot off, shoot the hinges off and come in. Like, <laughs> like what, what is he doing out there? Bang, 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 bang. Like they could all be running out the back door while he's doing that. And yeah. No kidding. Oh my God. Uh, that's too funny. I hadn't considered that. I mean, I love that movie. I'm not saying. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I hate to ro- nitpick Robocop, but then there's like that scene where he, he, the guys in the, um, the convenience store with the machine gun and Robocop grabs the end of the of the gun and bends it. 
I think it was actually Chris Baskin who pointed out there's no way that would happen because the guy is not strong enough to hold the gun so that RoboCop can bend it. It would he would have just popped it out of his arms. <laughs> oh, you know what that's I mean? That's what Chris was trying to say. I never understood what the fuck he was talking about. <laughs> yeah, the gun would have would have been yanked uh, out of his hand before the end would have bent because the human is not strong enough to, to you know bend metal like that. Oh, uh, well, my only objection to that was that I felt I, I got the sense that Robo pinched the barrel between his thumb and his his forefinger, pinched it kind of partly flat and then pushed down with his wrist to make it go 90 degrees. And I think I, I always felt like the fact that he kind of half crushed it before he bent it down, made it weaker. And uh, I don't know that. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a plausible explanation. Yeah. I, I guess you're right. I mean, the guy was probably two, 230 pounds or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is it, is it strength or is it his, his weight or? I don't know. Yeah. I think if, well, I mean, if, if, if you're holding, let's say, a metal pole under your arm and then I come over and I'm strong enough to bend that metal in half and I grab it and b- try to just literally twist my wrist, it would just pop uh, out of your arms. Bef- it right. wouldn't bend. Unless you used both hands and braced it when you were doing it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Huh. I, I yeah. I guess maybe he's right, but I, I like the scene the way it, way it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if Robo had grabbed the gun like further up, like further up the the gun toward the guy, and then lifted it up, he probably could have lifted him right off the ground. But, right. Or what uh, if he yanked the gun like like that, like bent, bent, tried to bend it forward, but yanked it out of his arms, and then smacked him so hard with it that he went through the plate glass window, like like yeah. What yeah, yeah. But we're not talking about RoboCop today, folks. We're yeah, anyway, that. sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I noticed a few other callbacks in this movie. Did you, did um, the scene where Ellie starts discovering her powers, did that remind you of Jack Nicholson's character from Wolf, 1994 film? Yes. Cause I, I couldn't place what it reminded me of until you just said that. Yeah. But yeah, I was watching it last night and I was like, why does this seem so familiar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then... Um, also, the scene where Jesse Eisenberg wakes up outside his house naked was that was obviously an homage to American Wolf in London, where he make, yeah. wakes up naked in the wolf pen. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the to the cast a little bit here before we start um, talking further about scenes from the film. Of course, Christina Ricci, everyone knows her as Wednesday Adams from the Adams family. I, I, I think we should preface her name with the word yummy, yummy. Christina <laughs> <Ricci>. <laughs> yeah. Um, she was in, yeah, Adam's family. She was in Casper. I think she was in that movie Monster with Charlize Theron, where they were the she serial was. killers. Yeah. And she was in this fucked up movie with Samuel Jackson called Black Snake Moan. I've heard the title, uh, but I've never seen it. He's, yeah, it's it's interesting, but it's pretty twisted. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to make her repent because he thinks she's, you know, gone away from the way of, of God, which is kind of true. She's sort of like going down the wrong path and but he so he kidnaps her and chains her up to like get her to repent and stuff it's oh, fucked God. up that's fucked up <laughs> yeah but i just love her there's something about her she was also in sleepy hollow oh um, that's right but there's something about especially the way she looks in this movie and i guess the fact that she was trying to project that like werewolfy sexual allure that they refer to in the movie but Right. I just I think I may be part of the reason why I liked the movie so much when I first saw it, because I was just drooling over her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't blame you for that, man. Mm. <laughs> um, so then we had Jesse Eisenberg, who plays Jimmy Myers. Um, I always confuse him. I always think he's the kid that played Kickass, but that's Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah. Eisenberg was in Zombieland. Um, and surprisingly, he played Lex Luthor in Batman versus Superman, which I fucking hated that movie. Oh, that's right. He did. And he was also he played um, Zuckerberg in um, the social network. Oh, OK. I never saw that. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's a D- David Fincher film. Oh, OK. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's good here. I think both him and Ricci were, were very good in it, despite the fact that it, the production was a nightmare. I think they still all the actors really kind of gave their 100 percent to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Joshua Jackson plays Jake Taylor. Uh, to me, he'll always be Peter from Fringe. I I love his character in that show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, he'll always be. Even though I didn't watch Dawson's Creek, I yeah. I, I I know him as Pacey from Dawson's Creek because right. I saw little bits and clips of it. And I was always like, "What kind of fucking name is Pacey?" I know. 
The only like, reason I know that and I know the connection that he was Pacey was because um what's his name in Buffy Spike mentions yeah. him I think he's watching an episode he's like Pacey what are you thinking or something like that <laughs> <laughs> Oh man whatever happened to James Marsters he's so great uh, He's still around he's still show- he was yeah. on Smallville for a while but um Oh and yeah, there, there's a Smallville connection here. We'll mention, but um, uh, Joshua Jackson's also oh, yeah. on the new Fatal Attraction TV show, which I, I haven't. Oh, watched. that's I, right. I have no desire to watch it, but uh, yeah, my roommate and I watched a few episodes. It's pretty drab. Yeah, <laughs> it looks it from the previews. I yeah. fucking hated that movie because there's no way if you're married to Ann Archer that you're gonna cheat on her, especially with someone who looks like Glenn Close. I know. <laughs> there's just no well, way. I think I, I think it was just that. The husband was like bored and looking for some like easy, quick sex with a crazy person. I suppose. And then, <laughs> and then he go back to his normal life, and that's not how it panned out. No, <laughs> but I liked him here. I thought he was very effective. Um, I think I, I, I have a feeling that I remembered it from the first time we watched it because, like I said, I really only had a vague recollection of watching it the first time. But I kind of knew that he was going to turn out to be a werewolf. Mm. And I, but then I thought, and we'll get to this guy's character. Michael Rosenbaum was actually mm. going to be the big bad. He played Kyle. Really? Uh, yeah. Because then I was like, oh wait a minute. It's they want you to believe it's Joshua Jackson's Joshua character, Jackson. but it's going to be Michael Rosenbaum. And it turned out it's not, and he got killed. <laughs> movie or yeah, that was kind of disappointing the way he died. Uh, yeah, you get he was what like standing there, and he got yanked up from the ceiling. Yeah, and then dropped, and he was he was dead. Yeah, was like come on, you just wasted a perfectly good actor. On, like, I know, <laughs> could have had a cool death scene. He, of course, was an awesome Lex Luthor on the TV show Smallville. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked him in that, um, and he has some kind of podcast now. I think that he oh does. really? Yeah, I saw I saw clips uh, here and there of like interviews he's done with like Michael Bean and uh, uh, Henry Cavill and stuff. Oh wow! Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't know what it's called, but. Oh, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, he was in Urban Legend. Apparently, he played a character named Martinex in Guardians of the Galaxy Part Two and Three. I don't, hmm. I don't remember him in that, yeah, unless he was under heavy makeup. Yeah, it could be. And um, he also voiced the Flash in uh, quite a few DC animated movies and shows. Oh, really? Yeah. In fact, if you get a chance, I may have sent you the clip years ago, but there's a clip of a show online with Nathan Fillion and I'll have to send you the clip. It's it's hilarious. And um he, he ends up showing up in it and he's he's like telling this character, well I did voice the flash for ten years, you know <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's awesome. I, it gave me like a, a twinge of, of nostalgia when I saw Michael Rosenbaum in the movie because I, f- I had forgotten that he was in it. Yeah. And then yeah. when he popped into one of the scenes I was like, oh I remember him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember him mostly as Luther, but Right, yeah. yeah, exactly, same here. Uh, we had Judy Greer, who played Joni, who turned out to be the big dad. She was good. Yeah, I didn't recognize I her. Th- she, apparently, she was in Jurassic World, Halloween Kills. Oh, wait, I do remember her now from Halloween Kills. Yes. <laughs> She's been in a million things over the years. And, I, yeah, I've seen her in so much stuff. And uh, I thought she was, at least in the final cut, the one that we watched Last night, the the one that was released. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I mean, I'm not comparing it to anything. I don't know why I said that, but um, <laughs> she, I thought she was she was one of the characters that stood out the most to me. Like, I got the sense that they, with her scenes, they picked the best takes of her saying her particular lines. Yeah. Um, whereas, like with Joshua Jackson, there were times where I felt like he was just kind of talking in the same way in every scene. And please, I, I just want you to understand me. And it's like, Oh my God. Like this, it was like Johnny one note. Like he was maybe, maybe this is what the character was supposed to be. But after a few scenes, I was like, Jesus, dude, <laughs> loosen like up, man. Monotonous. Yeah. I just, I don't know. That's funny. That's funny. Um, we, uh, and then Milo Ventimiglia, Ventimiglia, he played yes. Bo. Uh, to me, he'll always be the character from Heroes, which, of course, I can't remember the character's name. But oh, he was right. the one that could absorb powers. Yep. And um, he was on this chick show. I never watched it, but my wife and her stepdaughter used to watch it called This Is Us. 
Apparently, it's very huh. popular among the females. I've seen him in a couple of things, but I don't know. He was uh, Rocky's son in a couple of the Rocky movies. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I think Rocky Four, right? Four and five? I don't think four, but like Rocky Balboa, he was in that one. Okay. And yeah. Rocky Balboa. Maybe the one before that, whatever that was. Uh, Rocky Five no, was the one before Rocky Balboa. Rocky Five was a different actor, the kid. I thought he was in two of the movies. Anyway, I think but he com- was good. He's coming back for the next sequel, Rocky Five Thousand. <laughs> but no, it's actually one of the best scenes in Rocky Balboa that uh, where Rocky says this this great like speech when he's talking to his son out on the sidewalk, and it's pretty awesome. Oh yeah, I have that on DVD, but I haven't seen it in quite a while. I saw that in the movies. That was good. That was really good. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, and then one actress that I think is super cute was Portia Del Rossi. She played Zella the Psychic. Um, she oh, was, yeah, 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 yeah. She was Nell on Ally McBeal. That's where I remember her from. Uh, I couldn't stomach Ally McBeal. Oh, I love that show. <laughs> but um, what was the other girl's name? The one the one who got killed in the upside down car? Uh, she um, Was it Becky? Sh- Shannon Elizabeth? Uh, Shannon Elizabeth. Yes, thank you. Yes, she was in uh, American Pie and some other stuff, and um, I always recognize her because she's a hottie. Oh, yeah. She was a hottie, but I didn't um, recognize her. Mm. Um, and then someone whose name is only Mia or Maya, she played Jenny Tate. Um, but but I loved the um, that Scott Bayo played himself in it. <laughs> yes. It's so awesome. That was funny. And at first, I thought they sort of shortchanged him because the scene when he's talking to Ellie at the table – it seemed like they cut it really short, but then later on, he's like helping her get out of the building and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were like, wait a minute, you cut Scott Bayo to keep carrot top on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking? And she's explaining to him. Cause he's supposed to go on the daily show, I guess with Craig Kilborn who played himself in it, which mm-hmm. that was kind of a funny little scene too, but she's telling yes. him, all right, well, we're going to play clips of happy days and uh, Charles and charge. Charles and charge. He goes original. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he looks good, though. He's getting older, but he looks good. He still looks, you know. I keep in mind this movie is what almost twenty years old. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I sometimes I forget that when I'm watching stuff. Um, so the uh, the rest of the cast I didn't really know, but I there was a guy named Derek Mears who played the werewolf, and he played Jason in the 2009 Friday the Thirteenth remake. Oh, which he was really good in that because that was yes. A good movie. I like that. Uh, he played Swamp Thing on the Swamp Thing TV series, the hmm. newer one that came out in the last decade or so. And he what? was listed as the classic Predator in the movie Predators from 2010. Oh, really? Yeah. I always liked that movie. Yeah. I mean, not as good as the first one, but I, I always thought it was entertaining. And I, I've liked them all. I, a lot of them yeah. get shit on, like Aliens vs. Predator and the, the second one I enjoy. And then what's the other one? It's Just Called Predator. I like that one. Um, and then the, the oh, I hated Prey. that one. Oh, really? Prey was interesting, but I thought the one before it that was directed by Shane Black that was just called Predator. I, I thought that that sucked ass. <laughs> Except for the fact that Olivia, uh, what's her name, was in it. What's her name? Olivia Munn. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, she was like, she's kind of a hottie. All I'm talking about is like all the women I'm noticing in the movies and how good looking they are. People are probably listening to this like, what is with this horn dog? Pay attention to this story or anything? The only thing I know about Olivia Munn at all, the only reason I even am aware of her name is that she played Psylocke in one of the X-Men movies. Oh. And she was in the movie for like four minutes. Yeah. They showed her in the trailer and then it was like that shot and about like two other things and she hardly had any lines and then she was gone. Right, right. <laughs> you know. But everybody was like, Oh look, she's got the costume right out of the comics and it's it's comic accurate and blah da da and then she was hardly in the in the you know, hardly in it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And they did the same thing with what's her name? The girl with the dazzler like powers and the Jubilee. Yeah, with the with the yellow jacket, and, and she had, and they were like in the trailers. It was like, oh look, Jubilee's in this one, and then she's in it for like a half a second, and then they cut away, and she's not in it anymore. Right. <laughs> what was the point of that? Yeah, Jesus. Oh, but anyway, too funny. Um, so there was one name in this that I recognized the name, but I don't know who the hell he is. Lance Bass. He played himself in this. 
Oh, I know who he is. He's one of the Backstreet Boys, I think. Oh, okay. That's why I don't know who he is. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think he's. Ba- I think so. He's one of the. Ba- I could be wrong. But I think he's one of the Backstreet Boys. And he. Oh, and I don't. Rem- oh, in sync. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was just. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. I can picture him in my head, but I don't remember him being in the movie. I know. Maybe he was in. He might have been in Tinsel. He might have been in the club when everybody was running away or something. Oh, maybe. Yeah, he's just there were some celebs cred- there. credited as himself. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. Because I'm, I'm looking at his IMDb, and it's like himself, himself, himself. I'm like, well, then who the fuck is he? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's the extent of his range. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Plays himself and everything. Um, oh, my God. Uh, I didn't see him at all. You know, I have to say, I, I just kind of um, switching gears here for a little bit. Um, I thought, even though the CGI was obvious at points, I thought it mm. wasn't. I didn't think it was terrible. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, from movies from that era, there's a lot worse films. Right. A lot worse CGI in films, I should say. Mm. I I did. Yeah, I, I thought it was it had it had flaws, but it wasn't terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple other. Nods you know what I was terrible oh, was Am- American Werewolf in Paris. That's oh. fucking terrible CGI. Oh, my God. That's horrific. We just recorded the American Werewolf discussion for for this thirteen days event, and um, yeah, I brought that up because uh, that's just like, and you can't unsee it. It's just like this. Hor- I know it's so bad, and not even horrific. It's just terrible. <laughs> I was so excited to see it, and it was such a sucker punch because the where American Werewolf in London had the most amazing transformation in the world and the coolest were- looking werewolf, you know, post transformation. And then you go to see this one, which is like in the same vein, ostensibly. And the transformation and the werewolves looked like shit. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. Mm. Uh, but a couple other things I noticed that were nods to other things. Did you notice there was one point where Jesse Eisenberg's looking at a book about werewolves and it's got mm-hmm. the same drawing from the howling where it's a man evolving into a werewolf. God, I didn't even notice that. Oh yes, 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 I did. Yes. Yeah. Like the 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 stages. Like, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I was like, wait that a minute! Cool. I just saw that in the Howling. <laughs> yeah. And then the whole thing with the pentagram on the hand is obviously right out of the Wolfman. Yes. So I, th- it, I don't know if these these nods to other films were forced. I mean, when you don't notice them, that's when I think they're cool. But yeah. like the pentagram thing was like a a, a part of the plot. Yeah. And it just, I, I feel like that was a little forced. Yeah, I think so too. And also like, how can you, how can you not notice that? Right. Like, you know, did Christina Ricci not take a shower for four or five days? Like, you don't, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You don't notice that your hand looks different or something. It's like- and, and that's the thing in the original Wolfman, it's the Wolfman, when he's looking at someone's hand, a pentagram will appear and that means they're going to be his next victim. But in this, it was the opposite. It was if you're a werewolf, you have the pentagram. Yeah, which doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah, I know. And you know, that's another another example of something that was so like, I don't want to say cliche or just like just they just beat it over the head. Was Jesse Eisenberg reads about the pentagram, looks at his hand, takes a marker out of the drawer, and like connects the dots so it's a star. It's like we're not that stupid, dude. We can see. You know, we can see the connection between the star you just looked at on the page and the, the dots on your hand. You don't right, have to draw right. the lines for us. We get it. Oh, but man. um what was I going to say about the, the I, don't, I don't know if this was practical effects or CGI or both, but I felt like in some of the scenes where the werewolf was like attacking people and stuff, I guess this. Well, anyway, um it looked like a person in a suit, like. Even I think even in a couple of shots where it was CGI, they somehow did it so that like the there the, there was like a little hunch to the shoulders and the the arms were puffy and then the wrists were thin and then there was a hand and it, it looked like a person in it wearing a suit and the arms were like up and out to the side all the time like they didn't I felt like some of the joints didn't really work like normal it mm. just looked weird to me in a couple of spots yeah yeah. I don't know. I'd have to watch it again with the um, the commentary from the special effects guys mm. just to find out what was going on in that. I always forget to watch things with commentary. I, I, like, used I forget to, that the commentary is there. I used to be really into them. Like when, when we had, God, when we were renting Laserdiscs, which I still have yeah. them all, um, <laughs> that was the first time I was introduced to commentary because they could do it where you can't do that on VHS tape. 
And I remember watching the RoboCop commentary, and you know, and and like what's his name, the, the who's the director, Paul Verhoeven. Verhoeven. He's like, and when we shot his hand, it was supposed to be a Christ-like image, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> then after a while, I felt like delving so deeply into behind the scenes stuff in movies was ruining the magic of movies for me. So yeah, I stopped and mm. like, I would just buy the cheapest DVD because I didn't want the commentaries. And now I'm kind of, now that I'm podcasting about them, I like listening mm. to them again because especially if it's a movie I've seen many times, I, I can watch, right. I don't have to watch the film. I can watch it with the commentary. I th- yeah, exactly. I think for me, I think that's the key is if I've seen it, more than three or four or five times, then I can handle watching it. I could potentially handle watching it with the commentary because I already know the movie well enough. But yeah. I hate behind the scenes stuff for the most part. And I hate like on a TV show when they say coming up and they show you scenes from the next episode. I'm like, don't do that. Oh, I hate that. I don't want to see it before I see it. I know. You know. It's not like I and I can binge it. It's not like I got to wait a week. You know, just what are you doing? <laughs> You know, one thing I hate, though, so not to get too far on a tangent, but you mentioned that, you know, because you're going to binge it. I, I love watching the intros to shows, especially yeah. if they're really good. And I hate that they have a skip thing because that tells people, oh, it's it's negligible. You don't have to watch it. You can skip it. Right. It's like like Gilligan's Island. I'm watching Gilligan's Island on Tubi and it's a skip intro. I'm like, why would you fucking skip the intro? It's the best part of the show. I know. <laughs> and, I feel that way about almost every. And luckily, my roommate feels the same way, too. When we watch a show. It, it, it'll say like it's going to the next episode and it'll like you said, it says in the in the corner, like skip intro. But nine times out of ten, I we both watch the intro again because we we just admire the way it's, you know, the music and the images. And it also gets me kind of in the mood for the show. Like, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's and most of the intros are pretty short these days. Like we just started watching this show recently called Dark Winds, which is about like um, Native <laughs> Islander two fart. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, the opening is really cool. There's all these cool images and the and and the music and everything. It all goes together really, really neat. And I love watching that in between the episodes. Like that, you know, it's it's it sets the tone sort of, you know. And I, I just love that. So it's funny. Charlene and I and Aiden watched this show. On, I know you don't have Disney Plus, but um, it's really awesome. It's called The Villains of Valley View, and mm. it's basically. This fam, this family of villains are on the run from the villain world and from the superhero world, so they have to pretend to be a normal family in suburban Texas. <laughs> and it's wicked funny. One, the, James Patrick Stewart is the father, and he's absolutely hilarious. Um, but the intro is barely four seconds long, and it has the yeah. skip intro thing on it. And I looked at yeah. my wife, and I was like, really? Skip intro? <laughs> I know. You can't wait like a, the four it, seconds? Yeah. No. It's like a given did you watch? Ever watch Barry? No. So Barry, uh, it's pretty cool. It's a guy who used to be on Saturday Night Live, and and there's three seasons of a show where he's like an assassin, and um, yeah, that hit that intro is like barely four seconds long. It just shows the name Barry, and it like goes and then it jumps right into the show. <laughs> yeah, you know. but like I remember watching Breaking Bad, and that that intro was only like. 10 or 11 seconds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it was enough to sort of get me, you know, in, like I said, like in, in the mind, in the frame of mind to right. watch the show. Like that. Like, yeah. And especially when they used to make really good intros, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Oh, yes. So many. It's like, why? I used would to look you... forward to those. There's yeah. an art. There was an art to making those things. Why would you want to mm. skip them? You know? I don't know. People are just impatient, I guess. Yeah, I hate that. But but adding the skip button is was a conscious decision to do that. And that's, you know, yeah. all right, we're getting on a tangent. So, yeah, um, I was thinking, too, um, getting back to the what happened in the movie. I thought the character of Bo was going to turn out to be a werewolf also because he was such a dick. And then when he was claiming to, he was talking to Jimmy and he was claiming that he was gay, I thought he was just messing with him. And he was gonna oh. like trying to entrap him, and then say, "Oh, you are gay, you know, whatever." And it, it he actually yeah. ended up turning out to be a decent character. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's another one where I I don't know how many times they shot that scene, but it would have been I don't know if they wanted it to have a slightly comedic element to it or what. But I, I feel like it could have been a much more effective scene if it had, they had taken it a tiny bit more seriously because this is the first time this kid has ever admitted it to anybody, right? 
And I just, it seemed kind of easy for him to just come out and say it. There was, it wasn't like as, you know, maybe they didn't want to waste time on his character or something, but yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah. Jesse, I didn't really connect too much with Jesse Eisenberg's character, even though he was one of the main characters. Yeah. Kind of generic. And he did a good job, you know, with what they gave him, but he seemed kind of generic. Yeah. I was much more interested in, in Milo's character. Yeah, Even yeah. He was, a, he was a dick. I thought he was more interesting. I did like the scene though, where because <clears throat> he had been bullied by by Bo, and um, but then he starts to realize he's got this strength, but he hasn't quite figured it out yet, and he ends up mm. getting into the high school wrestling. I that yeah. whole sequence I thought was really good. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of um, the way they did uh, the spider powers in the Andrew Garfield, the first Spider Man movie, The Amazing Spider Man One where he's in the basketball, he's in the the gym with the basketball and he's fucking with Flash who's like he's like, "Oh, here you go, Flash, take the ball." But he's got to get the ball stuck to his hand cuz he's Spider-Man and Flash <laughs> tries to take it and he can't. Uh, and then he, um, Peter does this weird like jumping, flying, twisting thing and dunks the ball and it kind of reminded me of that probably cuz it was in the gymnasium, but Oh, that's funny. Uh, I don't remember that movie at all. I think I blocked it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't um you know, it's funny because that's one thing I was going to say. Normally, I love stuff like that, like uh, when the people are turning into werewolves or they're uh, not turning into them, but becoming, you know, werewolves after getting bit. And they start to notice, oh, you know, my sense of smell is better. and My hearing is better. And, and I'm a little stronger and da, da, da. And like, I used to love that stuff that you had all those abilities, even when you're in human form. Yeah. But this, I don't know why, last night when I was watching cursed i was like you know it's it really irritated me that the two main characters never really fully transformed right into werewolves and they kept saying i mean how many times in the movie did they say oh cursed by the beast cursed by the mark of the beast we're cursed we're cursed we're cursed it's like i know it's the title i get it (laughs) i get it (laughs) jesus but at the same time they weren't really cursed because they didn't really have to struggle with the consequences of like transforming and wondering what they did and you know coming out of it and uh i don't know i just felt like they, they it was kind of a, a a cheat or like a um cop out in yeah. a way and then i was like you know what I, I want if i ever write a werewolf story i want it to be that like you can't do any superhuman weird you just feel weird and when you transform yes you're this superhuman version of an animal whatever but uh i don't think you should be allowed i, I don't not allowed but <laughs> i think it'd be more i think it'd be more interesting in some ways to have the person not have those abilities in human form, you know? Right. Um, I don't know why, but maybe because I've seen it so many times, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Like, I mean, I mean, you know, John J. York's character, Eric Cord, on the werewolf TV show was just a normal guy until he turned into a werewolf. Mm. Of course, there was a full moon every other day on that show, but... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know. But that's one thing I really liked in The Howling was that they said if Full Moon's got nothing to do with it, they can change anytime they want. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, OK, good. Like maybe that was, you know, I, I it's nice when you're making a movie. It's nice, you know, scenery to have the full the full moon and everything. It's creepy and it's it's cool looking and everything. But um, I like the idea that, you know, if you're a werewolf, you can change whenever you want to. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't got to wait for the moon to change. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I thought the, the Joni werewolf. All right. First of all, I, I I think I always say this. I watch things, generally speaking, I have the subtitles on, even if it's in English, just because yeah, it's always like you you pick up things, too, in the background that you wouldn't hear, like yeah. something on the radio or the television or something. But there was a moment here where I would not have picked it up if I didn't have the subtitles on where the Joni werewolf in the end fight goes, shit, when the cops arrive. I was like, oh, what? really? I had to rewind it. I'm like, wait a minute. Did she, the werewolf just say shit? And then uh, the next shot, she turns around and gives the finger as the full-on werewolf. I was like, wait a minute now. <laughs> yeah, that was – see, that – when I first saw the movie, that was one of those moments where I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. Like, you know. But also, I th- what I thought you were just about to say is – well, first of all, I didn't notice that she said shit. Uh, but at, when she does the finger, at the same time, she says liar. Liar! Because right, the right. you know Christina Ricci just got through saying, "Oh, she has a bony ass and bad skin." And yeah, and and when I first saw it in the theater, I just thought she put the finger up. But then when I saw the subtitles, it said "liar," and I was like, yeah. "Oh, 
Oh, she's pretty in control of her her faculties and everything when she's when she's in werewolf form. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, I really liked Judy Greer in this movie. I thought she I thought she was like a refreshing, vibrant character in a in a pool of like seemingly exhausted. You know, well, she definitely key. exuded evil even when she wasn't aware of it. She was just, yes. you know, she was a female dick in the office. She was just such a bitch, my God. <laughs> I guess that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> female dick. Yeah. <laughs> she was a cunt. Oh, sorry. Can't say that word. See you um, next Tuesday. <laughs> see you next Tuesday. Um, but yeah, yeah, she was, she was a bitch. And, but, uh, yeah. The the now the fight with um no it was funny because going into that I thought that was the end fight and I'm like wow this movie's kind of mm. short and then I looked at the time and there was like another half an hour left I was like oh okay and <laughs> then it turned out Joshua Jackson was the bad guy and um you know he attacks them in the house couple things I I was disappointed in I didn't I he didn't full on turn into a full werewolf in that fight. right they right. all should have turned into werewolves and had a werewolf right battle. that's what I wanted yeah. That's, that's three what the movie them. was building towards. Yes. Um, all three of them. The last fight I, I was hoping would be all three of them in werewolf form. Yes. Right. But I, and I got a double, a dual opinion here on this particular part of the, of the fight sequence where Jimmy uses his claws to climb up the wall and across the ceiling. I thought that was a great concept, but there's no way with those small claws that the sheetrock right. on the ceiling would have supported his weight. Yeah, <laughs> just no and way. You know what I? You know what I also hate about some of these scenes, and I, I get why they do it, but I, I, it just irritates me. Is the fact that like a po- one part of your body can can be like seventy percent transformed, and your face is still normal. Right. Right. Like my hand and all the way up to my elbow and everything is getting claws and hairy and bigger and everything, and you know my feet are busting out of my shoes, Incredible Hulk style. And yet my eyes haven't changed. I don't have any teeth coming up. My ears are normal. Like what? your body should, pre- you know, all sort of change roughly the same time. You know? Right. Like an American werewolf. Yeah. Although, OK, sorry, but uh, I didn't like the fact that the Judy Greer werewolf got shot with regular bullets and died. And also in American Werewolf in London, the cops just shoot the werewolf with their guns and he dies. That was something that always bothered me, even when I first saw it as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's just like the guy in the howling said, he's like silver and fire. Those are the only two things you can use against them. Right. Right. Regular bullets aren't going to do shit. I know. I, I, I just don't understand. Well, even in the movie Wolf, a regular bullet is what kills him. Mm hmm. That always pissed me off at the end. (laughs) That's why I thought Judy Greer was going to come back. Like even last night, I forgot about, what happened with her character, but they like shot her and then she sat up and they shot her in the face or through the mouth or something. And she went back down and then they showed her on the floor dead or, or on the floor naked at human form. Yeah. And then, the, you know, the later on I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe she's going to come back. Cause they had just shot her with regular bullets, you know, but nope. And I think was it, maybe I'm confusing films, but it was Jesse Eisenberg who said, um, you know, well, b- brain splattered all over the floor. Definitely dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But werewolves are supposed to be able to regenerate unless you kill them. Yeah. And then he goes, you got to separate the... Huh? Like the werewolf and the monster squad who gets blown up and then reforms. Yeah. I mean, regeneration is one of their big powers, you know? Right. And, um, fuck, what was I going to say? Regenerate. Brains. Uh, Oh, and then Jesse Eisenberg, you know, from reading whatever he was reading, he's like, oh, you have to cut the head off, separate the head from the heart. I was like, where'd that come from? I've never heard that before. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I've heard with vampires, I've heard cut the head off, but right. not werewolves. That's what I thought. Too. I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe I just missed something in the movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I said, I, I didn't know anything about the trouble on the production until after yeah. I saw it. So it's just all these little weird things. Now it all makes sense why they. It does. Yeah. They're right. so weird. I don't know if it was in the Dracula novel or if it was in a movie or something somewhere. I heard. Uh, that staking a vampire through the heart was enough to like uh, immobilize them and basically sort of kill them. But what you had to also do was chop the head off, stuff the mouth with garlic and bury the head like 
in a completely different place right. from in, in you know and yeah. put like holy water on it and it'd separate the head from the body and yeah you know and all that stuff and i was like oh that's fucking awesome that you have to go through all these steps to make sure that the fucker doesn't come back you right know? right yeah um, they, and the, the 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 stake through the heart is meant to pin them to the ground so they can't get up mm. you know and yeah. the, the reason the crucifix is supposed to work against them is because they drink blood and jesus's blood is you know otherworldly and it like affects them so oh. that's why the crucifix has always traditionally been a weapon against them. Hmm. You have to have faith. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I that's from Fright Night. Right? Yes. So, <laughs> I always I love the fact that when people try to use the, the cross against vampires, sometimes they just laugh at them and cr- like break the cross into pieces. Yeah. It's like you don't believe in this shit. It's not going to work. Right. Um. <laughs> But then you get characters who, like, out of nowhere suddenly have faith. And they're like, now I believe, you know. Right, right. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Now I, you're suddenly. I mean, we're getting off on a tangent here. But that's another reason yeah. why garlic is is um, can harm vampires. Because garlic kills the poisons in your blood. So yeah, you purifies blood the blood. Related. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But anyways. Which is fucked up. Because oh. you would think if you were a vampire, pure blood would taste better than, like, Toxin, toxin-filled blood. <laughs> you kidding? Well, like in the movie oh. Love at First Bite, where he 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 kills the um, he drinks the blood of the wino, and then he gets drunk. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> yes. Oh man! But one yes. last thing I wanted to mention about the fight in the uh, kitchen was mm-hmm. um, uh, Jake, the villain. He does this thing where he goes from being on, lying on the ground to standing in one motion, and he's like, he ends up in this like sort of cool stance. Mm. I kind of liked that. I thought I know it was cheesy, but I thought that was pretty cool. Again, I've seen that done in, vam- in vampire movies. I've seen vampires do that before. Right. Oh yeah. But I've never seen. Yeah, I've never seen a werewolf do it. But like Fright Night. And I thought it was Milford. odd that he. Yeah. I'm sorry. I keep talking when you're talking. It's okay. Go ahead. Um. That... You thought it was. I thought it was odd that he burst into flame at the end. Like, yeah. They killed him and then he like bur- burst into flame and burned into the floor and everything. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, it, I've never seen that happen with a werewolf. I almost think, you know, because they say that the the wine scenes meddled heavily in this movie. And I almost think that those stupid kind of things like like, let's say like the, the standing upright, which is a vampire thing, the uh, bursting in the flames at the end, which is a vampire thing. It's like to the wine mm. scenes or whatever that that was just like. Oh, it's a monster thing. It doesn't. I don't care if it was a vampire or werewolf. Just do it. You know. Right. I could totally see that happening, especially since they were complete assholes. Right. And even in Christina Ricci's, uh, what's her, what was her name? Ellie. Yeah. Where she where she was the day or the two days after they got bit. She has this series of nightmares. Yeah. Um, or a nightmare that's full of all kinds of weird flashes, and part of it was her like making out with her boyfriend, and then. She like her teeth come out and she's like, like opens her mouth just like a vampire. Like she's going to take a bite out of his neck. Yeah. And I was just like, that's totally vampire right there. Right. <laughs> like, right. You know, it's uh, like they just didn't care. They didn't. They don't know the difference between a vampire and a werewolf. <laughs> Wes right. Raven does. But he probably was like, well, apparently and I, I read this a long time ago. He was such a nice guy that he never bucked the system. When the producers told him to do something, he never fought against it. Mm. Which is kind of too bad. Yeah, especially oh. when he earned some clout for himself, it would have been nice for him to say. I know, you know kidding. What? After up. Nightmare on <laughs> Elm Street, he could have written his own ticket. Yeah. But but that sequence, that dream sequence you mentioned, there were so many different images. But the one that stood out to me was there's like a close up of an eyeball and like a fly goes into it or something. Yes. And I'm like, what does that have to do with the movie? You never see it again. <laughs> it's just yeah. weird. I don't know if it was like. I guess when you're dead, you don't blink, and I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I'm just making shit up. No. Um, did the concept of having to kill the head werewolf remind you of um, both Lost Boys and the werewolf TV show? Yep. And Joshua Jackson's character even used the word sire. Oh. He said the the your sire, you killed your sire, and and then you're free or something. At in one of the scenes in, right. in Curse, and I was like, I thought again, I thought sire was a vampire word. I didn't know it was a werewolf. Word. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's very similar concepts to some degree. 
And I felt like if they were going to finally kill Joshua Jackson with the silver cake cutter server thing at the end, they should have not shown it until they were about to kill him. Like, it's like in the whole scene, she's reaching for it, reaching for it, and then she picks it up, and then she drops it again, and then, you know, she's reaching for it, reaching for it, and he pushes it away, and then it's like, okay, what, like, we know that it's in the room, like, it would have been more interesting and exciting if it just came out of nowhere, like, not nowhere, but if she had, like, suddenly noticed it was, like, under a, under a book or something, and, you know, on the floor, and she picked it up and jammed him with it, like, I guess that's cliche, too, but it was just so... Like there's the killer weapon. There's the weapon. There's the only thing in the entire house that can hurt him. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> l- let's focus on that, but we can't let him get it too soon because that's going to be the end of the movie. So we've let's got, keep having it. You know, we've got to pad it out to an hour and forty. So <laughs> yeah, and it's another thing is like the inconsistencies about the silver. Like I had said before, like how much does it hurt? You know, like yeah. there was a time where she was trying to come at him with it and he grabbed her wrist and she was still holding it and she was holding it and holding it and holding it like 30 seconds went by and she's still going, oh, ah, eh, ah, yeah. like, wouldn't all the skin from your hand be like black by now? Like right. if I if I picked up a, a burning pipe or something, my hand would be, you know, eight or nine seconds. I would have to drop it. Because right. I'd be in so much pain. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know. I think I just didn't care about the world, like the the fictional world, right? When they were making this, no, I, th- I think so. I think so. I think I definitely think it was the producers meddling in it. Um, mm. You know, despite though it being disjointed, I I do think it was well shot. A lot of the scenes looked really good. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and all right, so why don't you just give us your final thoughts on this movie, and would you recommend it? If somebody was a diehard fan of one of the actors or of Wes Craven or of werewolves in general, I would say see it. But if there's just like your average moviegoer, I don't think I would recommend it because it's kind of a it's kind of a disjointed train wreck and it is full of cliches. And I think you use the good word disjointed because you said they filmed it multiple times and God only knows how they mixed the shots together when they were doing the final edit. So there were some times where it just didn't seem to flow from scene to scene. Right. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to people unless they were like, I want to see every Wes Craven movie or I'm a huge Christina Ricci fan or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would watch it again for sure. Just if for no other reason than, I want to see Christina Ricci walking around in high heels and a miniskirt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, but that, I consider that a ringing endorsement. She's a little weird looking, and and every once in a while she makes a weird facial expression. But overall, she's I think she's kind of a she's hottie. A hottie, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not knowing going into it this time around about all the back, you know, stuff that went on in the production, it, it was better than I remembered it being. Mm. Um, I, I w- it was hard to tell if it was trying to be a comedy at some points, like with the werewolf yeah. giving the finger. Right. Um, I was disappointed with the end fight because they didn't all turn into full yes. on werewolves. I would have preferred that, was, that. Yeah, that was a letdown. But you know, overall, I thought it was you know it's a fun monster movie, a fun popcorn film. I think yeah. it would be much more enjoyable if you watch this at the drive-in. I agree. Uh, maybe have a few beers, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would help. That would help uh, make it less uh, less noticeable. All the yeah, annoying yeah. things. Um, and just to go off, you know, what you just said, if you're looking for sort of a mindless horror film with nods to previous horror classics, and or mm-hmm. if you're a, a Wes Craven or werewolf completist, then yeah, this is probably the movie for you. But mm-hmm. um, it's definitely not in any top ten list anywhere. <laughs> I tell you that. No, no. <laughs> One other quick thing I want to say about comedy. Um, I remember when I first saw it in the theater and uh, again last night, the, when Milo comes to the house to talk to Jimmy and he's like, oh, I'm gay and blah, blah, blah. And I thought you were gay too. And and then they get in the car and they're driving toward the, the, the club. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jesse's explaining, I mean, not Jesse. Well, Jesse, the actor, yeah. is Eisenberg uh, is explaining to Milo's character like where they're going and what they're doing. And, and, and Milo is like so revved up. He's like, all right, I'm with you. You know, and, and <laughs> Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg's character says, oh, OK, OK, settle down. 
<laughs> for some reason, though, that line exchange just cracked me up. Like, yeah, every time. Oh, my God. All right. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for this episode. Uh, yes. Don't forget to check out havenpodcasts.com for our other shows and blogs and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us and come back again for the next episode. well folks that's all the time we have for today's episode of this year's 13 days of hallotober don't forget to check out our website at havenpodcasts.com where you'll find our other shows the east meets the west in which we discuss Shaw Brothers Kung Fu films and spaghetti westerns from the 60s to the 80s, and the Cult Movie Lounge, where we talk about all cult movies all the time. And check out our live monthly streaming show, Fright Lounge, in which the best horrorologists in town discuss horror media for the seasoned horror fan, as well as introducing newbies to the genre. And at our website, you can also find my blogs, Then Is Now, The Films of John Saxon, and horror films of the 1970s. If you like what you're hearing, please go to wherever you download your podcast from and leave us a great review so that other listeners can find us. Thank you for joining us today, and have a wonderful October. heard check out the dorkening podcast network at the dorkening.com